to Blackout. My name is Timo, and with me again is Mike Marshall from the Name Taken Podcast. Mike, how you doing? Good, Tim. How are you? I'm excellent. This past week, we decided that in preparation of Mortal Kombat 2021 coming out, we were going to watch the 1995, let's say, more melodramatic version of of the Mortal Kombat films. Mm. And frankly, I think... I think we ended up coming out of the conversation uh, enjoying aspects of that movie, but we have not spoken uh, about this movie yet, and you just watched it. I did. But I I have to say, I watched this the other night, and I could not have been more pleased with the product put before me. I really enjoyed it. What'd you think? Eh, it's fine. It's fine. I just, I feel like, I mean, actually, I didn't, I didn't watch the last like 20 minutes of it. I I feel like I got it. Um, it's fine. There are parts of it that were fine. I just feel like that's been my whole like. That's been my whole movie going experience of twenty twenty one. Like, yeah, okay, fair enough. And I would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree with you on pretty much everything else that we've watched recently. Yeah. Um, especially for subject to blackout. Uh, it's been underwhelming the recent new releases. Yeah. But I got to say, this gave me everything I had hoped Kong versus Godzilla would give me. Okay. Um, which specifically was... A lot more Japanese. Enough, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was expecting enough uh, plot and character development not to be a good movie, but to uh, successfully pass on from fight scene to fight scene. Fair enough. Which I think it did fairly successfully. There was some pretty cringy moments and some not great acting and actors and actresses. But I think what they did well was realize the limitations of, of again, like we spoke about last week, turning a fighting game into a, a narrative film. Right. They managed to do it well enough. And then the fight scenes I thought were really, really fun. And, uh, for those who enjoy the games deeply and for those who just enjoy a good fight scene, I think they really crushed it. I think that's, I suppose that's fair enough. I think, I think the fight scenes were certainly fun. I thought Kano was fun. Yes. I can't remember who actually plays Sonya Blade, but I called her Hillary Swank the entire time. Hillary Swank yeah. was fine. And, More like uh, Shillery Swank. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but like one of the things, I'm I'm just so sick of this. I hope that this is like a, a narrative trope that we look back on in 10 years and are just like kind of crin- cringe about it. But the same thing has happened in a bunch of these like franchise reboots is where all the main characters spend most of the movie just sucking at stuff. And like Tomb, yeah, yeah. Tomb Raider did that in the reboot. And oh, I didn't see that. Power Rangers did it on the reboot. And honestly, like, I just, I want to watch a movie where people can just do shit. I don't want to watch a movie where people discover anything about themselves. I don't want to watch a movie where people struggle. I don't want to watch a movie anymore where it's sort of like, well, like, you guys are too big of douchebags to, like, really be saviors of the world. Like, how many times have I seen that movie? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a I mean, bunch of times. I'm, like, so again, over that. Uh, that is fair. Yeah. You make an excellent and fair point. What, I mean, one of the things that I was going to do here to be like deeply insincere about this, and I can still do it effectively, and you can just edit this part out, so it's it's flawless. But <laughs> I feel like if flawless. I if I see that was one flawless sanctimony. 
<laughs> Fatality. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, get your audio over here. <laughs> but um, I I understand the reason why they were fighting about as much as I understood the reason why they were fighting in Zach like Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I've just been conflating elements of both movies. You know, like, like I can't remember that part. Remember that part where like Kano is like, just want to shut the fuck up about mother boxes. And you're just like, yo, I don't know what those are or why anybody cares about them. No one's explained it to me and why they're called mother boxes because it's a stupid fucking name. Like, I yeah. felt like there's like a bunch of like, you know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to do. Discovery, personal discovery right now. Like in the same way that we talk about a MacGuffin in a movie where it's just sort of like a, a main motivating thing. Right, so like a mother box is a MacGuffin. Yeah, I'm gonna start using the word mother box to describe a particular type of MacGuffin that's fucking stupid <laughs> and doesn't make any sense, and nobody ever explains it. You know, like like a uh, water world, dry land. That's a fucking mother box. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that really is a mother box. So like uh, Mortal Kombat, they have to fight to this. save the Earth realm. That's that's a mother that, shit right there. Like why why? I mean, to be fair, I don't I don't know canon of the game, but that was the exact same reason 1995's movie happened and you were a much larger fan of that 1995 version than I was. You you enjoyed the camp of it much more than I did. I thought yeah, cuz I thought they relied on camp instead of like trying to make the characters like serious and have like flaws and crap. Like I don't want to watch well-rounded characters. I want to watch I mean, I think it's just a sign of the. Other. Yeah, and that's that's fair enough because I mean that's what makes John Wick movies amazing is that Yo. it's like his dog is dead, and then the rest of the movie is a f- action sequence, <laughs> just like four action sequences set in like five different locations. Um, so that's kind of that's fair to hope for like a bad John Wick movie with uh, with uh, Mortal Kombat characters. But I think one of the reasons that I enjoyed this so much was we just watched the 1995 film. While I didn't particularly care for it, they used a lot more from that film than I expected. That's a the fair general, point they did. Yeah. The general plot, uh, reptile being a, a reptile yep. and invisible, um, Goro... I thought Jessica McName, uh, who played Sonya Blade, played her Sonya Blade very closely to the Sonya Blade of of Mrs. Sampras. And I, you know, I, I feel like there was a, a lot there that felt very like, no, we, we're not ditching 1995. We're going to just like kind of spruce it up and do it in a more current style. Right. So that meant less camp. Um you know, it didn't mean big name actors. That's for goddamn sure. There's a couple of guys who, uh, you know, uh, and I, I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, but Hiroyuki Sonata as Scorpion, mm-hmm. I recognize from a couple of different things. I believe he was briefly in a Marvel film, mm-hmm. but he was also in season two, I want to say, of Westworld on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I've seen him in, in a few things, and he was... You know, he's probably the biggest name actor on this list. Uh, But, you know, I thought they did in a better job than 1995. If, you know, we look at it in 25 years, I'm sure it will be crap compared to what that acting is. 
But for the most part, I like I said, I I thought the guy who played Kano, uh, Josh Lawson, was was pretty funny, pretty entertaining. Mm. Um, and and I just generally enjoyed that they did minimal character work and then got out of the way for some nice action set pieces, some cool fatalities. And uh, yeah, I I enjoyed myself more than I expected I would. That's fair enough. I mean, I think. You kind of like appreciate this aesthetic more. I am definitely someone who likes stuff that's like very camp and like very flamboyant. So my aesthetics are definitely more grounded in like 70s and 80s B movies and like 90s fantasy and science fiction for sure. So, Mike, one of the things that I wanted to talk about that resembled the 1995 movie uh, was the fact that Liu Kang, uh, played by Ludi Lin. Luddy Lin, when he comes over that mountainside in his introduction, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to use the CGI of the actor from the 1985 film. He, yeah. his, his Robin outline, his yeah. yeah, his outline in, in silhouette looked exactly like that actor. I thought that was a great little bit of either casting or CGI, whatever it was. Liu Kang immediately from there on out resonated with me as Liu Kang. I I appreciated that uh, they also did Scorpion and Sub Zero a little bit more, uh, you know, good service by by fleshing them out as as competitive characters and like, you know, people who talk and do things as opposed to just like mindless slaves in the 1995 version. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty much every part of the plot is contrived uh, bullshit. Yeah, but I thought it was contrived bullshit in service of getting us to a place where we could do some uh, pretty, uh, I feel like, video game accurate violence. Sure. Uh, Which I think out of anything that they improved or perfected from the 1995 film would be these fight sequences and the absolute brutality of some of the moves and and fights do you remember that one part in the movie where okay so that dude threw that hat shield and it kind of like was like a buzzsaw and it like buzzsawed what's her face like in half and then the 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 flying lady who seemed like she was going to be a big deal and then wasn't a big deal at all because she got sawed in half yeah and then it flew back to that dude and then at that moment he realized that he wasn't the falcon anymore he was captain america (laughs) (laughs) and like and sebastian stan was like yeah like tearing up in the corner yeah (laughs) yeah no that's a good scene that was an emotional scene for me yeah um you know, and like dark side right. standing there the whole time is just like not psyched. Yeah, but I didn't. I thought Megatron shouldn't have been in the scene. Frankly, I was, felt like he should have come tasteless. in later. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everyone had a reason in that room to be mad at Megatron, and they were all just ignoring. Yeah, you know, like fan service is fine, but if you're gonna go like full Joss Whedon and just sort of bow to everything that they want, like, you know, at that point. <laughs> Like at that point, you're not making a movie anymore. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Man, we're just making a commercial. Yeah, but no, I, uh, I thought the fight sequences were good. I think. I mean, I think I, I, I haven't disagreed with any of your points. I think you're making you're making all good points. 
I, I think our opinions about it are really just sort of like a difference in preference and aesthetic, which is a shame because we, you know, we really could be more contentious in arguing about this. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> this is my podcast and I'll do it how I goddamn please. Sure, fair enough. But no, I, uh, <laughs> I after you said that it kind of felt Snydery, mm-hmm. like the whole Jax, like thing is like oh he's a black guy who is a cyborg oh no he's cyborg <laughs> <laughs> that was where i was I'm at like, too ah. i was like i got it i was like uh i did so you saw it during the movie i i did not see that during the movie huh. um but yeah i mean for me i was just i was pleasantly surprised by how violent it was like 1995 is not like they tried to make that like almost family friendly and that is just not what mortal Kombat is about so watching people get split in half and you know watching sub-zero blow fire out of his mouth or i'm sorry uh scorpion blow fire out of his mouth at sub-zero mm. and watch his face melt into a skull i was like that's cool Yo, that's fucking metal <laughs> like that is that is cool as shit so I, I I think, yeah, I mean, there were definitely moments in that first act where I'm like, yo, I don't like they made up the character of uh, Cole Young just for this movie. I was wondering about that. I had to look that up while we were watching. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the worst character. <laughs> he's just like kind of a bitch. Yeah, he's whiny. He kind of, he keeps whining and getting his ass kicked. And then like. His secret power is to listen to his daughter, who, by the way, is like 10 years younger than him. That was that was weird casting. I was like, that girl needs to be way younger or he needs to be way older. That whole thing was weird. I mean, the emergence of his like arcana, his superpower was yeah. like kind of lame. I mean, it's sort of it, it was like X-Men style, like emerged at a moment of like great crisis or like emotional freak out or need or whatever. But uh, he's like fighting Goro. He's like an MMA dude. You'd think he'd be able to get a few licks in there. And Goro's just sort of like, okay, well, I'm gonna lift you up by your neck. And then his <laughs> wife goes after Goro with an axe and just like, just nails him with an axe where you're kind of like, oh, I guess his weakness is axes. Like, why <laughs> Why didn't you think of axe <laughs> like, just, the entire time, dude? He has no axe defense. Yeah, so... So, so yeah, he was, he was kind of whiny and he, he wasn't really like... He didn't have the will of a warrior. That's what his problem was. Well, he didn't have the will of a warrior. And they set it up where he's Scorpion's like great, 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 whatever, um, you know, grandson. But, you know, he gets this black and yellow bracelet from his daughter and then his arcana starts to like form out of the bracelet. And I was like, oh, he's going to like channel Scorpion. That'll be cool. But instead, he just gets like a Wakandan like armor that absorbs power. Yeah. He, it. he gets a like, Wakandan armor that absorbs Ugh. power. I know. And that's then, really, really just like a pure ripoff. And then you can hear his daughter, like when that first happens and like girls just like wailing on him and his, his like armor is like pulling yeah, in power. Right orange. You can yeah. hear her yell. I mean, it's like the point is to hear her yell, like use your uppercut. Like dude, press B, press B button. <laughs> B. <laughs> Speaking of calls to the fact that it's a video game, when Kano first starts training in Kunlun or wherever the fuck they are, right? And uh, Liu Kang just keeps doing the leg sweep on him, and he's like, "Oh, what? You only got one move?" And then he like fakes does the the leg sweep, and he lands, and he gets leg swept again. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, that's 
that's people who just mash the same button over and over right. again. I was like, that's really clever. There were, so yeah, there in, were really good checks in, for that stuff. Yeah. I know. In neither in neither movie was there what you were looking for, which was just like a 2D? sweeping crane shot until yeah. it was a 2D thing. I was waiting for that. But it, it, I, I mean, that's the next one. I'm sure. Because they are setting up the next one. But like, I thought there were a lot of clever things to that. I thought the Arcana... Uh, was an interesting concept to get, you know, fire breathing and, you know, magical knives and magical hats um, into the world. And honestly, I I would look forward happily to seeing another one of these movies, maybe not paying, you know, 12 bucks to go see it in the theater. But if this was released on HBO Max in another year or two, I would happily sit down sometime and, and and watch another film in this in this uh particular genre yeah i mean i do think because like you said like they're mostly no-name actors and i think they're trying to use that marvel formula of like these people are going to be free so let's lock them into a franchise yeah i'm sure that they're going to give 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 that a shot i i'd be willing to watch sure i'd be willing to watch second one why not so yeah like i said i i was very pleasantly surprised i thought I thought the best parts were the fighting. Um, I thought the comedy was actually surprisingly uh, good. Yeah, yeah. I thought the, I thought it was bits fun. of comic relief. Yeah. Um, and I thought the plot did enough for me to ignore the fact, like that, the main character is like a bitch. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Mike. I think the final thing I wanted to touch on uh, about Mortal Kombat was music. So, mm-hmm. 1995, known for its iconic. Absolute Jam. slam of a fucking song. <laughs> yeah. The music was the biggest downgrade. I think I think in my personal opinion, everything was a little bit of an upgrade or a lot of bit of an upgrade. Music was uh, music was forgettable. However, in the final fight scene between Sub-Zero and Scorpion, they do incorporate the 1985 theme song into that music. Which uh, like on not watching the last twenty? Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch the last twenty minutes. Well, it, it wasn't strings per se, but it was definitely like you could hear it in the in the arrangement of the music. And then in the final credits, which again I watch it just for the music, the last twenty minutes, the the orchestral performance stops, and they just mm-hmm. go into like a twenty twelve dubstep version of it. <laughs> it's like puff, 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 wow. <laughs> uh so it's it's that was a little bit overkill. I liked that they kind of worked it into <laughs> like an actual combat. Yeah. There were no hip hop air horns, but they thought about it, I'm sure. Um but yeah, the dubstep uh one over the the theme song. Just play the fucking play like a slightly updated version of it. As as the credits, I don't need a dubstep version, but uh, them working it into the final fight scene was was kind of nice. I will take your word for it. I might watch it. You will, but... too. you also might not. <laughs> so might not. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else to add, Mike? I do have one. I did. I did. I did think about this during during the movie because when we talked about the previous Mortal Kombat, I talked about how much there was whitewashing, but it still wasn't even as bad as M Night Shyamalan with yes. the avatar movie i thought that the casting in this movie which was, was much more appropriate yes. for the source material and i, I thought that was cool i thought it was great that uh some german guy was not playing 
uh, Raiden. What's his bucket? Raiden. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought it was nice that the Asian characters were clearly Asian. Yep. Um, and you had an uh, an Asian lead. You did. So yep. So that's uh, cool. Yeah, and also I you know you are much more in tune with uh, Chinese culture in particular, but but just Asian culture in general. Um, you have much more knowledge than I do because you lived in China for so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I thought it was cool that there were both, uh, you know, Chinese heritage and Japanese heritage artists performing as Chinese and Japanese, um, you know, e- even in the same scene where you have Sub-Zero being a predominantly Chinese character and 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 Scorpion being being Japanese. I thought that was interesting as opposed to just making them all vaguely the same Asian. it was it was a really interesting choice i mean i have i mean there's cynical reasons behind it which and i'm very cynical especially about the way that american media courts not like a chinese audience but uh appropriate chinese politics in in cinema that said it was interesting that they went with scorpion japanese beating sub-zero who is chinese because that is that will not sit well with the chinese audience who are very competitive with japan so that was i don't know if that was like an oversight or if that was like an intentional thing but that's that's going to be something that's noticed in china and and here's why they did it and i have three words for you round two fight (laughs) (laughs) You know, you Nailed know, it. neither one is gone forever. <laughs> Come on, they're coming back next time. Chinese guy wins. We're going round three. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, they they send this film over to China, and China goes, "What the fuck?" And they're like, "Yo, just wait." Combat two. Just you know, there's gonna be cars in it. It's gonna be it's great. Coming. We're going to space. <laughs> All right, Mike, we're going to take a quick little break here, and we'll be right back. Here's what's coming up next week on Subject to Blackout. Mike and I are going to view the 1999 cult classic, Mystery Men. The stars are out in force in Mystery Men, whether it's Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, Janine Garofalo, Greg Kinnear, or Jeffrey Rush. This movie is filled with actors that we all know and love. That and its campy aesthetics, along with its 1999 smash-mouth-infused soundtrack, this was a big hit for people who grew up in the 90s. And as we announced last week, coming up in June is the Furiously Fast Film Fest. Once again, Mike and I will be watching two Fast and the Furious movies each week as we play catch-up to Fast 9. That's right, there are five Fridays in June, which means two films for the first four weeks, all leading up to the HBO Max and in-theater premiere of Fast 9. Join Mike and I as we experience these movies for the very first time, in most cases, and stick around for our thoughts, opinions, and maybe a few surprise twists and guests along the way. And remember, you can always reach out to us on the website, subjecttoblackout.com, or you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. All right, Mike, uh, now that we're done talking about Mortal Kombat, uh, I was just wondering if there was any other sort of pop culture that you've been consuming recently 
Uh, I'll start off by saying that season two of For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus uh, just wrapped up last week, and I won't give you any spoilers for it because you're two seasons in, and I'm pretty sure you haven't even watched an episode. But it nope. is an alternate history. What if the Russians made it to the moon first? And we are already in the year 1983, I believe. Cool. And uh, it is really excellent. You know, it's hard to call it science fiction because most of it is based in either things that were real plans that got scrapped with budget cuts or actual true events. But most of the characters are fictionalized. It's, you know, it's not John Glenn uh, for the most part. There are some real names, but... They kind of work them out of the show pretty quickly so that they can tell some more interesting stories without having to clear it with, you know, people's families. Yeah, season two just wrapped up and it's basically Tom Clancy meets Apollo 13 meets Game of Thrones. There's there's no fantasy elements, but there's the political intrigue of of a Game of Thrones. There is the uh, sort of you know, Soviet threat of a Tom Clancy novel. And and there's just really excellent space work done uh, both by actors doing great jobs and by special effects really kicking ass. And uh, I I can't recommend that show enough and uh, look forward to season three coming out hopefully sometime next year. Cool. I mean, you know what we could do? We could talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So in in an effort to take over our entire lives and our Fridays, Disney has spent the past year daisy chaining up a bunch of different Marvel and Star Wars miniseries. And obviously, yes. Uh, And our latest one was uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I having now seen all six episodes, um, my opinion about it has changed a little bit. I'm still like, it's not the best piece of, like Marvel IP I have seen, but my criticisms or my discontent with it is like much more specific now that I've seen like the entire arc. What specifically uh, are your criticisms? Because I I do not feel like the show is anywhere near uh, being uh, top shelf Marvel, nor, nor is it beyond reproach. Fair enough. Well, I liked um, the pairing of like, I mean, I can't remember everybody's real names, but like Anthony Mackie and uh, Sebastian Sebastian Stan. Stan. So of the Falcon and Bucky Barnes. What is the Falcons? What is the Falcons? uh, I know the actor's name. Oh, it's Sam Wilson. Sam Wilson. I like I like that kind of odd couple. And I thought them playing off each other was kind of fun. I don't feel like there was enough of that, though. Um, I agree. I don't think there was enough of that. I thought that the approach to um, thinking about where do superheroes fit kind of post Thanos was a really cool angle to address their own kind of personal conflicts and arcs. And I also thought that like the, you know, whiteness narrative for superheroes and kind of addressing how that works within a Marvel universe was also cool. I found the um I found the villains, the like kind of the terrorist organization 
Well, their goals were entirely like it, what you would expect for like a Marvel series like this. I found the characters themselves to be kind of uncompelling and uninteresting. Um, I think that was like my my biggest criticism that the the villains cause is fine, but the villains themselves are like really not that cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, that seems to be a larger problem with Marvel villains. It seems like they still feel like, except for maybe a handful of characters, that if you're a Marvel villain, you're one and done. And I think what Marvel should have taken away from the last 10 years worth of films is that the one that they kept bringing back and the one that they kept being playful and fun and a you know not a human but a human character right uh, was the one who everybody loves the most and is getting his next daisy chain uh <laughs> uh disney plus series and that's loki yeah and loki's great because he's charismatic he's not evil he's mischievous right he's a wild card he's he's chaotic and, neutral and that's why Zemo was fantastic in he this was fun. series. Yeah, Zemo was fun. Uh, I believe his name is Daniel Bruhl. Is I mean, uh, I know him most notably from Inglorious Bastards, where he plays the Nazi actor. He's good at playing evil fascist German dudes. Yeah, typecast. I mean, he's like, yeah, he'll hydro. He's Sokovian, not German. Yeah. So I mean, okay. that's different. But no, I thought he was really excellent because he is mischievous he's not he's not out to be evil like you know he he claims to be against super soldiers but is like i'm not gonna hurt you bucky you know you've proved to me that you're not the problem so like that's the type of characters that you built and they they felt like they were building with this six hour uh runtime of this they were it felt like they were going to try to build this carly character into another sympathetic mischievous but not evil character and then yeah. they just kept her this character who was empathetic and caring and passionate about her her motives do these bizarre like she blows up a building which seems horribly out of character even to the people in the film who are her compatriots um you know she talks about murdering people at the in the, the final episode if they have to um and again, our compatriots push against that. And it's like, Marvel, you don't have to get rid of her. Just throw her in a cell somewhere. And then she breaks out and she's a recurring character. That's that's one of the issues with Marvel. They don't have an Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Arkham They're is trying a perfect to build device. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where anybody can get booked, but like anybody can break out at any time. Yeah. Too. All of a sudden, oh, uh, you know, the Joker got his henchman to crash an ice right. cream truck into a wall. And now he's he's escaped and he's back on the streets. Right. Yeah. I mean, they do. They do have that. I can't remember the name of the island maximum security prison, but it doesn't it doesn't serve as like Arkham in the same way that it does in the DC. The raft. The raft. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think they're building the raft into that because they've got Daniel Brule there yeah. as, as Zemo. Um, and clearly he's able to get information out of there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I was surprised that it's not John Waters. 
uh, uh, who's the new Captain America? Oh, Wyatt, uh, whatever. Act. He was. He was kind. Of, that was. That was that was a fun arc. I liked I liked there being like a failed Captain America. I don't mind that. I don't mind that there's a failed Captain America, but he murdered someone and then he just with the like, shield. Yeah, he murdered someone with the shield, and they're like, "You can't be Captain America anymore." And, and then Sun is like, "He I didn't can't believe you murdered." He, but he didn't <laughs> turn in anything because Sam just took the fucking shield. Yeah. And then the U.S. government was like, well, the suit was tailored to you, so just throw it away or something. <laughs> but then he just comes out and wears it the next day after making his own shield out of bullshitium. <laughs> that that was like, yeah, he kind of he scrambled together. He, he has like a fantastic tailor just to be like, make me one Captain America, please. It could have been cosplay. We don't know. It could have been cosplay. That could be explained away somewhere like on a Wikipedia page. But his last um, name is Russell, by the way, because Wyatt he Russell, is right? Kurt yeah. Russell's uh, son. No way! Well done. Yeah. Look at look at well look at him, and you'll see it. He's got that chin. He's got that jawline. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other issues that I had with the way the ending worked was sort of like Sam Wilson's diatribe with like those senators. I mean, if you remember for the whole history of the franchise. Um, there's been this really weird relationship between superheroes and governments that like came to a head in Captain America Civil War, right? Correct. And it's just sort of bizarre to me that like this is the point among any point where like political leaders just gonna be like, well, let's just like listen to this guy and just sort of dismantle dismantle all of our plans. He made us feel uncomfortable with our whiteness. So well, <laughs> let's let's not redraw the borders of all these countries. I did. I, I didn't. Yeah. I thought that was just like a kind I of like a Deus feel- Ex Machina. Yeah, like it could have been done better. But like, yes. But but saying that just sort of that the government, all these different governments, were suddenly going to capitulate after never ever ever doing that for the entire franchise. I thought it was like felt- kind of. Yeah, I felt like that was. I felt like the writers thought they accomplished something and they didn't. I think what the writers thought they accomplished was that it wasn't just his speech, but the political pressure because his speech was caught on live TV. Yeah, that was an element they, to it. Too. It wasn't conveyed enough. It, it was just like the next scene is like they changed their minds. It's it's like, no, it should be like public Popular pressure. Opinion. Sure. Yeah. Has, you know, you know, protests around the world have have provided enough pressure where the GRCs, you know, gonna break off and and rethink their their policy like it shouldn't just have been like they heard that captain america said and he was a hundred percent right and we're changing our idea it's like no you can accomplish basically the same thing by just making it a little bit more nuanced and they just didn't there wasn't that, that was a big problem actually it was there was a lot of nuance that was available to the series where they just kind of beat you over the head with it. Like one of the places where they successfully get away with nuance is the Carl Lumbly Isaiah Bradley character, where you only get him in like three or four scenes. And yet he has a meaningful arc um, where you learn through, you know, genuine interactions about like 
what it means to be a black man sacrificing yourself for the United States. That's cool. Like, and and you get several different opinions because you get, uh, you know, a man who felt like he was, in, uh, you know, uh, thrown in prison for doing pretty much exactly what Captain America did. Um, and you also get, you know, Sam Wilson, who was by Captain America's side. And so, you know, saw that version of American exceptionalism, which, uh, you know, Isaiah Bradley was not not uh, treated with the same uh, sort of reverence. Um, so I thought I thought that was all done very subtly, but I felt like a lot of it was just like we're we only got six hours. So we're just going to kind of be like, well, A happens. So C happens and you can kind of figure out B. I agree. Mm. You know, I am I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what was it. I mean, the post credit sequence was. Julia Louise Dreyfus and Wyatt Russell, right? Yeah, he's like you're, Julia Louis yeah. Dreyfus and uh, dubbing him U.S. agent. Yeah, so I'm between Wandavision. So this is now we have a handful of things from Phase Four, right? So we have uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. I think I think Feige technically called that the end of of Phase Three. That was the end of Phase Three. Okay, so we according have according to Feige, I believe. Okay. So we have uh, WandaVision and we have uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. And then where does uh, Black Widow fit when that finally comes out? Is that so Black Widow, you know, I mean, it was supposed to come out before these television shows. Right. But, you know, the pandemic obviously pushed that all back. Right. Uh, And so they were able to finish up and do the TV shows. And, you know, being that they were always planned to release online, they were able to release before Disney felt comfortable throwing uh, a movie back in theaters. But the my biggest problem with uh, Black Widow is that it has to take place before she dies. So this has to take place before. It's either during in between the snap and the blip or it's before even the snap happens. And so it's like, you know, I'm sure they're going to work in the reason why the next Black Widow is going to exist. But it's like, well, why do I care about this movie? She's dead. Like she already had her overall character arc in other people's movies. It it feels too late for her to get her solo thing. I agree. I mean, I think they're probably just trying to round out everybody, especially because Hawkeye is going to get a miniseries. But I mean, at the same time, you know, within the Black Widow movie, we get introduced to David Harbour's character, who, you know, from the reboot of Hellboy. You son of a bitch. Did it. (laughs) Welcome to the subject of Blackout. This week, we're going to talk. Flawless. (laughs) Flawless victory. Uh, this week on Subject of Blackout, we're going to talk about, well, what we always talk about, and that's David Harbour's Hellboy. I don't even know. See, I, I wanted it to just sort of like come up organically. I, didn't, I wasn't even going to force it. It just happened. The universe wanted that to happen. You got to David Harbour. I did. I saw, I saw the gears working. I, I don't some, know if you steered me towards the Black chess. Widow movie. Yeah, you don't know, do you? <laughs> I don't know if you did that on purpose, but you son of a bitch, you got it in. That was all I got about Black Widow. But um, I mean, I think they probably had to fit every single one of the Avengers into some kind of like standalone 
So, um, I mean, the Hawkeye one, I'm actually really excited for because they're using the reboot artwork and the reboot artwork fucking rules. I mean, obviously, this is the the worst format to talk about visual art, but new comic book, new comic book artwork for Hawkeye. It's like rad. Totally sick. It's like an album cover. Nice. So I have not seen it. If you look at the logo for the new Hawkeye, it's it, it's the same style. Like all the whole like the whole lowercase. I'll send you I'll send you some. Again, not not very helpful for a podcast, but so yeah, I mean that's that's the other big one that's been going on. Um and I mean our next Disney, I think our next Disney miniseries is gonna be Star Wars. It's gonna be Clone Wars related. No, I think it's Loki. Is Loki next? Like this Friday? Um, the Loki release date is June 11th, so June 11th. it's still a month off, but I believe that is our next Marvel. I don't know about our next Disney. We have, well, the next Star Wars is, is the Bad Batch, and they're not going to do this Friday because they're waiting until May the 4th for the first one. Obviously. Yeah. So, but I think, I think the Star Wars one is going to go until Loki. I am currently looking this up. Okay. Why is there a Cruella movie? Like Emma yeah, Stone with uh, Emma Stone, right? Yeah, Emma Stone's yeah. charming and and smart and and beautiful. But what what why? There's we- so there's there's two types of movies that have emerged over the past ten years, and I can't stand either of them. Like I like I said, I hope in ten years we look back and we cringe about how many of these were. They're the first was sort of like, remember how cool these like heroes were from the 90s well guess what we rebooted the series and they suck power rangers <laughs> mortal Kombat, tomb raider they can't do anything cool right no bullshit so that's one and then the other one is like gritty prequel like how can we sex up 101 dalmatians a little bit prequel there's tons there's, all of these all of these like garbage prequels like bloated I, garbage prequels like, I would let's, argue let's add that some nuance. Like I didn't. I never needed to know. I never needed to know. I never watched Hundred Dalmatians and be like, I want to know her story. I don't care I bet she's misunderstood. Yeah, who cares? That's not the point. That's not the point of the movie. I think both <laughs> of the genres of movie are actually just two variations of what has been criticized by others, but uh, Red Letter Media points out is just the backstory for a thing that you never needed a backstory for yeah I and i think both of those are just like the easiest way to tell a backstory that you didn't need like oh how did the power rangers get so powerful it's who like, cares well, we don't need to know those yeah. power rangers they just they get powers and then they range yeah um and then the cruella de Vil's like well why does she hate dogs <laughs> let's figure that out let's let's i mean it's like a therapist let's Let's talk about that. <laughs> like, but also, why, why did you want to murder the 101 Dalmatians? Is it, su- we, is it supposed? Is it supposed to make me reevaluate 101 Dalmatians? To be like, well, it's not her fault. It's her upbringing that she wanted to skin I mean, a bunch of dogs alive. Like, who I can be who can be blamed a... besides society? Who can be blamed? Yeah. Do you know who wants to skin those dogs? The patriarchy. <laughs> is it? <laughs> You know who really wants to skin those dogs? Capitalism. Yeah. Says Disney. 
Yeah, Disney <laughs> is coming out with a communist manifesto based around the 101 Dalmatians uh, film series. Disney trying to get out like ahead of the revolution. We're with you. Someone, We're with you, dude. Some, so this is the wild part is I was seeing someone react to the news that uh, Emma Stone was playing Cruella de Vil in, in some Disney reboot prequel bullshit thing. And again, Emma, Emma Stone deserves nothing but praise for most of her career. So I, you know, I hope this is a halfway decent movie or at least she's halfway decent in it. But they were like talking about Glenn Close and like why, why I guess in a couple of years, Emma Stone turns into Glenn Close. And my reaction was Glenn Close was Cruella de Vil in the cartoon. Live action. And then, and then I remembered they've already done a live action Yep. series of 101 and 102 nominations. Yeah. Oh, and I'm God. sure in that one, I'm just guessing. I can't remember. But I bet you that the song Tub Thumpers is featured in the trailer for both of those movies. That is the I Get Knocked Down song. Yeah, no, I know Chumbawamba. Yeah. I I'm, I'm, just telling, I'm just telling your audience. You might I mean, not know the song is called Tub Thumpers. If my audience doesn't know Chumbawamba's number one single, Tub Thumpers, we don't want you here. Fuck themselves. We don't want you here. Get out. <laughs> Never listen to Subject of Blackout again because we are, we formed this based on the, the, the ideals that we get knocked down and we get up again. And you're never going to keep us down. It's playing in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I, I, I honestly... But not even, even the I get knocked down part, like the like the, the chorus thing. Pissing, Pissing the, night the night away. away. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I, again, I, I, like, I think within three weeks of each other, Actually, no, definitely within uh, two months of each other, I bought the Eiffel 65 I'm Blue WD a single, Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba, and uh, uh, All-Star Smashing Smash Mouth. Smash Mouths, yeah. What Album. a time that was. Oh, what my God. I think, I think those were in that order, my first three CDs, and they are all trash. <laughs> How many members of Smash Mouth do you think are Republicans now? I get the sense uh, that like most of them are. So, do you know that they're very vocal on Twitter? Are they about what? Being Smash Mouth. Cool. They have there is a Smash Mouth account run by some member of Smash Mouth because uh, I believe they're still an actively touring band, <clears throat> or they were in the before times. I, I'm just gonna for, from now on the the singer Smash Mouth will be referred to as Guy Fieri because he looks exactly <laughs> the same. I don't know who it was should the, be more insulted. It was, it was the time it for frosted no tips. One. It was the time. Mike, as someone who had frosted tips, they were cool. Did you really? That was a time oh, yeah. when people with frosted tips just like roamed the earth. <laughs> yeah. Like Lance uh, Bass. It, it, so it was my slight rebellion against my Catholic school, which I had grown very dispassionate and, and antagonistic about sure. after being there for five or six years out of the nine years that I was there in grade school. Sure. Uh, and you weren't allowed to do anything weird with your hair, uh, like grow it out or color it or whatever. And I, I could not dye my hair over the summers mm -hmm. because it would still be, my hair would be not its natural color by the time school began. 
So unless I like got a buzz cut. So what I would do was get frosted tips every summer. Like the That'll day show I got out of school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mom took me to do it. So it clearly wasn't that rebellious uh, since Nancy O'Brien was like, hell yeah, let's fucking go. <laughs> I, I still t- I mean, I still tell people your mom's advice of like hair grows back. Yeah, it'll grow back. It does. Yeah. You, you I to this day don't give a fuck about anything that happens to my hair because whatever. Yeah, it'll grow back. That's why I have a beard that is long and nappy and horribly unkempt today. A, because no one sees my face these days. Uh, I masks. I notice it. Yeah, you do. We should uh, frost our tips. I'll frost my beard and you can frost your tips. All right. So, you know, that was a very great conversation we just had about Loki. Truth. All right, Mike, I just want to thank you again for coming on today and talking a little Mortal Kombat, etc. with me. Totes. And uh, like we said in the middle of the pod, next week, we are going to be reviewing Mystery Men. Oh, my God, I'm so excited for that one. It's, it's a movie we both uh, love dearly that is leaving Netflix this Friday. If the podcast drops on Friday, like, boy, I hope it will. Watch it on Netflix before it goes off and you have to rent it. Uh, but yeah, a, a truly, gosh, what I'm hoping was a truly fantastic film as a kid is is still very fun to watch. It's going to be terrific. It's going to blow my mind. All right. I want to thank Mike once again for coming out. And uh, Mike, what we got coming up on the Name Taken podcast next week? I have a an interview with a commercial and documentary film director, Michael Marshall. But... The reason why he'd be interesting, at least for listeners of this podcast, to check out is because he got his start on the crew that did Blair Witch Project. Wow. Cool stories about that. Well, all that and more over on Mike's regular weekly podcast, Name Taken. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us today and subject to Blackout. Of course, you can find us on all the podcasts. You can find us on all the socials except Facebook. And you can always visit us on subjecttoblackout.com. Mike, thanks again for coming in. Cheers, Sam. Have a good one.